What's up, Creighton fans? Uh, this is Matt DeMarinas from White and Blue Review, uh, sitting here in the media room with Johnny Atawa from the Omaha World Herald after Creighton's 92-75 win over Marquette to kick off uh, the 2020, the 20s, the 2020s, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, the 2020s. No. Oh. You can't say that, that, can you? Probably not. Were you like a 1,998 guy, or were you a... It's the 2020s. So right, okay, that makes sense. I'm with you. Hey, if you want to be you know, unique, you go ahead. 2020s. Um, the new decade, the new uh, <coughs> Big East Conference season, um, starting off on the right foot, and honestly important to do so because of the slate that they have ahead of them in the short term. Yeah. Um, but, but, yeah, great looks. Like, looked, <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah. The Big East of, is like, I don't think there's every game stuff. For sure. Um, but, I mean, they looked impressive tonight. Probably they're their best all-around performance of the season, maybe. Um, what do you think about uh, Dude, for just sure. what happened tonight? What, 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 what game comes to mind that compares to, from an all-around performance standpoint, that compares to tonight? I yeah, think that's I the best great to play. I think, yeah. I mean, you could argue maybe... I mean, even Texas Tech had the point where Texas Tech kind of got going. So like, no, I was thinking Nebraska. But, yeah, but, they but let, the second they half up. of that, they let up. Yeah, there were like some almost... Some almost locked in start to finish performances, but this one felt like yeah, like they put that one, they put their stamp on it from beginning to end. Um, what did you see as some of like the things that stood out to you? Maybe some surprises, maybe some things that you felt like Creighton did better than you than you felt like they were going to do going in. Maybe yeah. Um, well, I thought Creighton's ability to push tempo and get out in transition. I knew the Jays were going to try to do that, but mm-hmm. they really haven't had a ton of success lately doing it. Teams have been pretty disciplined in terms of getting back and preventing Creighton from finding uh, a lot of good looks in transition, but the Jays were pretty relentless. I thought there were stretches where I thought Marquette did okay mm-hmm. and got back, but the Jays just kept coming. Like as soon as that rebound was secured, they were they were pushing tempo. And you know, Wojo said after the game he actually thought Creighton was more effective when it pushed tempo after makes as opposed mm-hmm. to after misses. Like he caught or the the Jays caught the the Golden Eagles napping a couple times, pushing the pace after made shots. Um, so that to me was that might have been the biggest key of the game of like because Marquette could never get comfortable. <coughs> right, Creighton was always sort of pedaled to the floor, but there were a lot. I mean, Tyshawn Alexander doing what he did defensively against Marcus Howard. He had some help, but a lot of it was his effort, tenacity, his discipline. And uh, a little bit of like resiliency and resolve because he catch that up. I asked him like, "What did you? What I said, Tyshawn? What were you thinking after Marcus Howard scored ten straight?" And Tyshawn said, "Nothing. Like next play type thing." You yeah. gotta, and you have to be like that when you're guarding a guy like exactly. that, right? Because you know he's gonna get his, and that, um, and the fact that he could put a barrage like that together late in the half when it was still, you know. It wasn't like a blowout at that point yet. It was still, you know, up for grabs. And that was to kind of like bounce back from that and continue to fight and continue to chase him down and face guard yeah. at the level he did. Was that attitude was something that stood out to me. I thought that permeated through the entire roster today <coughs> in terms of Creighton's ability to kind of take a punch or uh, to absorb sort of Marquette's attempts to flip momentum and then answer right back. Um, you talked to, or you asked about it in the press conference about Marquette opened the second half on a six-one run, mm-hmm. 
and kind of threatened a little bit, and then Creighton responded. I think Creighton made seven of his next nine shots after that. Yeah, they put the off. game away. Um, the Jays just kind of did that throughout, and you could look at each player and probably pick out one or two plays where that player individually had that sort of mental, like reset and like hey let's just keep playing our game i think mitch ballack said something about they just weathered the storm and kept playing <coughs> they say true true to who they were yep. is what he said yep. I think that was the words they used mm-hmm. um i think of a guy like damian jefferson who opened the second half with a missed layup at the rim had a turnover you know the dribble the ball off, off his, his leg, leg or yeah. something yeah. and then but he was he still kept coming and he finished with 17 that matches season high and uh 12 of those came after halftime so like there's just a lot of that and um, so Creighton's pace, its attitude, um, it's like it's grit or resolve, whatever adjective you want to use for that, and uh, you know just the way it played. And then I mean I thought Tyshawn Alexander kind of encapsulated that himself, just the way he uh, uh, defended. What else stood out to you? I mean I I just I couldn't help but get caught up in. I found myself early in the game getting caught up in Tyshawn. Um, just chasing Marcus Howard around because it, it went early in the game. Marquette didn't have the ball in Howard's hand as much. They wanted to play him off the ball. I think they wanted to see if they could get him um, just to like get Creighton's defense to rotate a little bit, get out position, and see if they can create driving lanes for other players to get going early because they they didn't really put the ball in his hands to get his own until that barrage late in the first half. Um, but I still think they've tried to get him going after those first few possessions, and Tyshawn was making it really tough for him to get the ball both you know in balance facing the basket and just in a position where he can you know do what he does I just uh I I got caught up in it because I was I didn't even realize what the score was the whole time I was kind of like watching that that one-on-one right there um it took me like maybe six or seven minutes to realize what the what the score was and who was playing well um I mean Tyshawn's numbers have shown it that he's been really good defensively his efficiency is elite it's one of the it's I think he's I think he came in the night 25th in the country in, in uh, points per possession allowed among guys who have defended more than 90 possessions um, I think that's like a sample size if you think about it that is worth you know showing it down to um, and he was second he was third in the Big East behind Quincy McKnight and Alpha Diallo so he had done it, but you like this is the the assignment he had tonight was He's, a different Marcus level. Marcus Howard's like, the best scorer, the in the best scorer in the country. Like he, so, the this stats is, it's prove like, it. Yeah. It's like okay, yeah. Tyshawn has shown improvement defensively, but it's like this is a totally different challenge. Right. You haven't never you haven't seen anybody like this. Right. And so what he? Yeah. I, I mean, I think he kind of proved that the numbers aren't telling. You know, the numbers aren't aren't false. Like they're they're really t- they're really showing that he is an improved defender and his his engagement tonight. For for thirty four minutes was in, was impressive because you know he he was he was engaged both with his communication with his energy level, um, with his activity and just being nonstop on the end of the floor, and for a guy who's been pegged as a you know an offense not only an offense first but an offense only guy a finesse player I thought he showed a level of toughness that I think people need to start acknowledging in terms of the narrative around him um, because a soft player. A finesse player doesn't turn in a type of performance defensively that he did tonight against the type of scorer that Marcus Howard did. And sure, and to your point, when Howard got going, I don't think a player that has that type of toughness would respond to that situation by continuing to make things difficult for him uh, the way Tyshawn did. I mean, I remember there was a moment. Well, two things. 
there's a moment in the second half that Mitch Ballack referenced in the press conference where <coughs> Tyshawn had this sprint from one end of the court, one sideline to the other sideline, chasing Marcus Howard, and then had to do it again and just cleverly. Uh, he, he, Mitch said he noticed that, that Tyshawn was trailing. It was maybe behind, and, and Tyshawn recognized that he could kind of jump over the top of one, one screen mm-hmm. and get there in time. So it shows sort of like kind of a level of maturity and, and just sort of at all costs be there. You yeah. know, like don't yeah. don't allow yourself to get screened. And then uh, there was a moment. I think I think it was Tyshawn who fouled Marcus, um, Marcus Howard. Maybe a reach in got called for it. He kind of disputed it a little bit, but and it, and it, Marcus Howard went to the line, made two free throws. I think the next possession, Tyshawn knocked the ball away and stole it from him, basically. Mm-hmm. And then two possessions later, forced to travel. So that kind of speaks to you know the resiliency factor and and just. I don't know his effort, and, but that that edge and, you got to play with defensively, yeah, right? Because yeah. if you're going to be like, if you're going to go into a game with the mindset that that person, your assignment isn't going to score on you, you almost have to be in attack mode defensively yeah. instead of just like reaction mode. Um, and the the other thing too, like, so I thought Creighton had some interesting sort of wrinkles in terms of when it brought double teams. Mm-hmm. It didn't double team with bigs, right, on nope. ball screens, Mm-mm. but it double teamed. Um, with guards at times, sometimes, sometimes like Marcus or Sharif or even Mitch would just leave their guy. Yes, and just like let them right. do whatever they want to do behind them, yeah. and just like put pressure on Marcus Howard mm-hmm. on the ball and everything. And I'm sure there was a trigger for that, like mm-hmm. in terms of the formation or the formation, the the um, sort of structure which Marquette was showing. Maybe it gave away a set or something that Creighton was reacting to. Mm-hmm. But they those were timed really well, and it wasn't mm-hmm. like all the time. That's I. I I've always loved the mind defensively, like with a strategy. You can't just do one thing, yeah. Because a, a player like Marcus Howard is going to figure that out. He's mm-hmm. good enough. He's seen it all. So you can't. I mean, you get settled in just doing. The I same mean, Wojo said it. He's been face guarded before. Yeah. He's been chased around he's seen, before. Right. He's been hounded. So you by have to switch before. it up yeah. and do and bring help from other places. And I thought Creighton was really good at that. And <laughs> Mitch said after the uh, the same press conference, like. A couple of those buckets that Marcus Howard hit were on him because he didn't come over and help or defend ball screens the right way. Didn't help out Tyshawn Ty Alexander right. the way he should have. But um, I thought that was kind of funny because other than that, I thought the Jays did a really good job of of helping at the right time. And yeah, they gave up some open looks, and but they were just gonna have to live with that because yeah. they didn't want to let Marcus Howard. I mean, they wanted they they basically wanted the rest of Marquette's team to become volume shooters. Because they're like, we're going to give you guys opportunities, and if you feel confident enough to step in and take them. Yeah. And Marquette hit shots. I mean, they didn't, like, they didn't, they weren't bricking everything in sight. Uh, certainly not to the degree that Oklahoma's I thought, others were. I will say. They were capable. Yeah. But, I mean, just to, 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 to say, we're going to turn the rest of the team into Marcus Howard, and we're going to make Marcus Howard have to work for everything and kind of wear him out, I think that plan worked. I thought um, Kobe McEwen, I mean, he, he's, he's been in a shooting slump, mm-hmm. so, and he has an injured thumb. You could see his, it was wrapped. He didn't play on Saturday. Um, and then he got two fouls right away. And so I think he, I don't think he ever was into the game. I was surprised that he didn't have a bigger impact. And I was surprised that Sakar Anum wasn't more determined to get to the rim. I think the game, Creighton was probably up by 25. But by the time Sakar was like, okay, well, let me just try to like drive my guy. Because mm-hmm. a lot of the time when he got the ball, Creighton was kind of recovering back to him because so much attention was placed on Howard. I, 
thought there were Brendan a lot of ba- them. Brendan Bailey too. Like for his yeah, length, but he's not as like I know. But for his for as long as he is, he has an advantage in if yeah. he can just take it to the rim. I just can, don't. I didn't. Ten see of his fourteen shots were threes. Like that's. But you're you, almost settling into what Creighton wants you to do. No, no doubt. But I, I just hadn't seen him take it to the rim very much. Agreed. But I think that's, that's the if you're talking oh, about you're like, like that's what they need. To yeah, because yeah. you're saying like Creighton's going to have uh, plan A, B, and C for what you do. You have to have plan B and C for what they're trying to take away from yeah. you. Like, they they made Marquette be a jump-shooting team, and they Marquette was like, okay, we'll, we'll do that, and it, it, yeah. it backfired on them. It, it wasn't effective at all. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> offensively, for Creighton, I, was, I mean, I think that's... I'm ro- that, to me, is like the under... I think the underappreciated part of this game going forward, because I don't think I'm going to give it the credit it deserves, because Tyshawn's performance was so impressive. Uh, but for them to be up, like, I think they had 89 points with, like, five-something, four-something minutes left, I think, when they put the reserves in, I mm-hmm. believe. Yeah. The, I mean, they, they at that point, I think they had one – they were scoring 1.3 points per possession against Marquette. Wow. Like, that's – and they only turned it over, like, 10% of the time at that, at that rate, too. So, I mean, that was just a – that was, like, peak – Creighton offensive performance. Our guy Nick Ball likes to do his his, his play breakdowns on Twitter. Uh-huh. He has he could probably yeah, have about he has fifteen. You just select like for sure. especially the the set plays that Creighton ran. I swear, like every time it seemed like they called out a play, it it was it led to a good look, whether or not it <coughs> went down. You know, the first play of the game was a that play that they run to create a uh, an open jump shot for Mitch Ballack at the top of the key. Mm-hmm. They kind of uh, – he kind of darts one way and comes back, and his guy gets screened by a big open look. It was executed perfectly. Yeah. He just he just missed it, and then they ran it again in the second half and got it. Mm-hmm. Um, they had 85 they, points with six minutes left, by oh, the way. Yeah, yeah. Like that – I mean, I thought they were going to breeze by 100 at that point. Um, I, I remember Balik executing a back cut after a timeout. Oh, yeah, that was um, a beautiful play. I'm sure that that was something they drew up. Um, there was a – there was a first half out of bounds play. Uh, Marcus Zagorowski drilled a three. Like I, I was, I was one hundred percent sure that it was set up for him, but it kind of looked like it was. Mm-hmm. He came off. I think he came off a screen and, and drilled a three. Um, the the lob the lob play. Marquez showed the zone in the fir- immediately. Matt called that out before Creighton even had the ball in bounds. <laughs> Because you saw Marquette kind of lined up in 2-3 yeah. alignment, even though they weren't really – no, there was no Creighton players down there to match up with anyway. But he said he called the play before Creighton had even inbounded the ball yeah. on the and end of the floor. And, and they, they ran it to perfection. Yeah, seriously. The I mean, to, uh, Christian made a nice catch and finish on that too, but yeah. they did run into perfection. And Mitch gave a little – like that was easy money look to Christian when they did it. Like yeah. I think that was – it just feel like they so felt, felt like they were two steps ahead tonight mm-hmm. offensively. Like they they – Marquette had a lot of length, but I think with with Creighton's spacing, they took it away from the rim, which neutralized, which opened up one area that Creighton could score, which would probably wouldn't be one you'd think going in because of that length. Um, and then the ball movement, and then the pace that they played with, both in the in the quarter court and in transition, just it, it kind of neutralized Marquette's length because they really couldn't get in the proper position to utilize it. Yeah, I mean, only nine turnovers and in how many possessions? Seventy. Six, seventy-eight, nine turnovers and seventy-eight possessions. That's crazy. I mean, that's super efficient. I mean, they scored on half those possessions. That's insane. So, um, 
That's the and they didn't even like shoot lights out from three. No, they were nine to twenty three. They, they no, shot more layups than threes tonight. They yeah. shot twenty five layups. They were seventeen to twenty five from on layups. And they got to the free throw line. They were seventeen to twenty two from the line. Um, yeah, just an uh, unbelievable performance all around. And I think I think it's it's a big one too because, like I said when we opened, uh, I mean, and, and like you wrote about, if you want to be. If you want to be not only an NCAA tournament team, but if you want to be a second week in NCAA tournament team, you got to defend home court. You got to win the games that are advantageous to you, you know, and you have to do so definitively in a lot of cases. And I think Creighton did that tonight, and it's important. It was important for them to start at one and zero because they're going to you know Hinkle, which is a place they haven't played great at historically, and no. um, it's it's an improved Butler team that's coming off of kind of a. I think they've played you know, okay there, except for the last two years. The last two years have right. been bad. But a social performance from Butler, you know they're going to come out fired up to, to put, you know, for their conference home opener and to try to prove that they're as good as their non-conference metrics have showed that they, they are. Yeah. You know, that's a big game for for both teams. And if Creighton had gone into that 0-1, you know, it'd be it'd be almost like a season-teetering moment. It, it was like, uh, I think Mitch Ballack said, you know, what did, how did he phrase it? Because, like, I've heard some people say it kind of takes the pressure off you on the road when you take care of home court. I think you right. might have just said it makes it easier. Because you play with, like, you take that house money on the road with you, don't you? Because like, yeah. you don't need to go 9-0 on the road. Yeah. Um, what do you think of Damian Jefferson tonight? I felt like um, it's just it, his 17 points kind of snuck up on you. Like, there was a you just all of a sudden realized he's getting to the rim a lot and finishing pretty well. Yeah. and. His free throws were like picture perfect rainbows. Never touched. I don't even know if they touched the net half the time. Um, but you know, six of ten, five of five from the line, six boards in twenty seven minutes. What do you think of um, just his uh, activity? His ability to not settle for jumpers and you know attack those those long closeouts and get to the rim tonight. Yeah, I liked him. He he uh, a couple times like navigated around a ball screen and went right to the rim. Mm-hmm. That that play causes some problems. I mean, I think, I want to say he caught it around the elbow, a little bit inside the three-point line, I thought, where, that ball, where the ball screen was set, mm-hmm. and uh, went right to the rim, and that's, I mean, that 4-5 ball screen is really tough to defend against this team, because... Especially when both four, the four and the five men are essentially can be drivers, because they can put yeah. it on the deck. And you can't help off it, because yeah. if you help, then it's an open three for one of Creighton's best shooters. So they ran that a couple times and got some good stuff, and that was Damian making a play. Gosh, he had a, didn't he have a – oh, it was to Denzel. He had a beautiful pass to Denzel, for, but it was it resulted in a couple free throws mm. um, in the first half that I liked. And ran the floor, didn't he? He ran it, ran it yeah. well. He ran the floor well. I think, I think as Marquette was starting to make their run, he ran the floor a couple times to get layups. Yeah. That helped stretch the lead back to 9 or 10 before Creighton blew it open. Um. Marcus Zagorowski, another great performance tonight. Uh, Rob, Rob, just before we switch over to Marcus, he, he just handed a Rob Anderson, the great Rob Anderson, handed uh, uh, some stats since Denzel el- became eligible about um, what, when was it? When did he, when he become eligible? Oklahoma. Oklahoma was his first so game. It's, yeah. this is game four. four. Yeah. Um, not we know what Denzel's impact has been, but mm-hmm. I, I think it's interesting that Damian's risen his level of play. Maybe that's a little bit of a result of competition. Yeah, they kind of feed off each other pretty well. That might be worth like digging into. But the numbers for Damian, sorry, uh, 11.7, 3 boards. And they're both playing about 24 minutes a game. But DJ shooting 
51% from the field in that. So I wonder, you know, I think it's just, it's funny because both of them are playing traditional positions that you would think are more by the basket or just setting ball screens and popping, but they've, because of their slashing ability and ability to finish around the rim, their strength, their athleticism, their, their, the spacing that Creighton is afforded with Tyshawn and Mitch and Marcus right. on the perimeter creates driving lanes for those guys, and I think that's what they're best at is getting downhill. So yeah. it goes to your point about what the four and five men are doing in that ball screen um, and being able to t- attack downhill and also spray once the defense collapses on them because of the shooters, the elite level of shooting that they have around them in the, in the big three, right. Marcus and Mitch and Ty. Um, what do you think about Marcus tonight? You know, sixteen, eight, and six. You know, you know, you know, you know. He loves these performances when he plays one of the elite guys. Like he's a big game type of. He has a big game type of attitude towards it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, he took a took a scary hit. Um, hit his head on the floor and kind of shook it off and made some big time plays. Got the crowd involved. Like yeah. you could tell he was. Um, his swagger was at was at full. They couldn't guard. They couldn't guard him. One on one, they couldn't guard him. And I wonder, I wonder, I, I wonder, and I've seen a lot of teams do this. I wonder why defenses try to make him go right. They, that, they they started saying it in the second half. You could hear the coaches say it. Don't let him go right. Yeah, like they're, but, they're but, trying to. But didn't you think Marquette was doing that earlier? They were trying to force him to the right side of the floor well, too they, many times. Yeah. I think it was the way they were defending ball screens, right? Okay. Because they were trying to like Isil's ball screen. Yeah. So if they if Creighton had a, a ball screen on the left side of the floor. On, well, I guess on Marcus's right hand side, like they would force him right. Yep. But he, they, but, 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 those, the, but the problem that it created was it iso it isolated him on a big man, who was already kind of shading left yeah. in the first place. Or the just, guard recovered back and, and Marcus went right at that yeah. guard. Yeah, and he's really he's really good with that in and out dribble that creates more space yeah. to the right side of the floor. And then once he gets to your hip, he's so long. That's why I think the Heinrich thing makes a lot of sense because they both have a lot of length. They can get all the way to the rim, and it's really hard to block their shot. Yeah, that's the thing that makes him really dangerous. You know, because once he gets about? to your hip, it's like all the way there. You know who I was thinking about? Ooh. I don't know. This may be a little. This bit is of a the long weighted copy. Hold, hold up. Waiting for here. Watch out! Oh. I don't know if this is gonna be good or not. Okay. Yogi you've, Fer- hold, you've held back. Yogi Farrell from IU. Okay, I like, like that. Like, do you see that? Like the it, shiftiness, the shiftiness, and the kind of the craftiness with it. Um, with it, both um, really good jump shooters. You had to honor it. Yeah. I think Yogi kind of improved his shooting as his. I don't think I think Marcus is better shooting than Yogi mm-hmm. actually, um, but they have they kind of have that tenacity. Like I, I, I watched a decent amount of Yogi, and probably not as. as is it tough for you to use an Indiana player? Is that really hard? <laughs> it, hurts. <laughs> it hurts. I'm a Purdue guy. I, through. I was wondering if there's like an alien that pop. That was that was kind of who popped in my head because like I, I feel like a lot of times when people get in the trap of like oh. You, you you make the comparison based on what who Marcus looks like and then uh, yeah I know like that's, that's the Van Vliet thing yeah. feels like it's way too much we of talked a, about that yeah. already the hairstyle is like, like physical appearance more than game style yeah. <laughs> um, they both bring tenacity <laughs> they have that level of toughness but I don't know like I like that one I hadn't considered it I, I kind of want to go watch some Yogi Ferrell highlights just to I think see so. that I think I will too because that seems it's like a legit. pretty apt one he it just he's so Marcus is so good at like getting into the heart of your defense and then and then finishing yeah you know um and and he's like deceptively quick because sometimes you don't think like you think you're there and then all of a sudden he gives you a little hezzy or a quick uh 
like you said, in and out dribble or the crossover, and he's by you, and or or his hip is by you. Yeah. At that point, once you get hip to hip, you're yeah. you're done. Yeah, yeah. You're already behind, mm-hmm. basically, even if you're even, because you can't catch up to it. Yeah. Um, you know, one other thing I think we should maybe talk about is because uh, we I think we isolated it as a, maybe a key to the game. Um, but Tyshawn's mid range game today. Because remember we were talking about from that Michigan game where they kind of got caught you know, into taking shots that Michigan wanted them to take, but maybe not quite into the spots they should be mm-hmm. to take that shot. I thought Tyshawn was really good. In the he made a the play. Um, gosh, I'm, I'm pulling up my little play-by-play because I wanted to get it right of when I when he made it because it was <coughs> relatively early in the game. Oh, shoot. It was the third possession of the game. Oh, really? Um, it was a ball screen. He went all the way to, like, 10 feet and then – did a sort of a short turnaround fadeaway. Oh, is that the one he hit over Theo? Yeah. Okay. And yeah, I was like, I okay. Yeah, I think he jump stopped. Mm-hmm. I think Tyshawn drove, jump stopped, and then hit the short fadeaway. And I was like, so what's funny? That is the play. That's the play that they didn't make against Michigan. Right. Right. And Tyshawn specifically. So, but then that got him going. Yeah. Because then he hit a couple like longer mid range jumpers, mm-hmm. you know, like the more traditional sort of 15, 17 feet. But I was like, if you're doing that, like, you can't – that can't be defended. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned that because in my uh, in my slow-mo today for the – like, the I do, like, a slow-mo tweet or whatever for, like, my game day tweet. Mm-hmm. The the jump stop at about, you know, 8 to 10 feet, um, set your feet, fade away j- jumper. He yeah. Was, he was practicing that – like, that's the slow-mo I got for the game. Oh, really? So the fact that you mentioned that one was pretty <laughs> funny because he was working on that. A lot before the game, not as much as his three point shot. He yeah. hit probably four or five. Yeah. He, he might have been like four or five on the floor mm-hmm. in in the mid range part mm-hmm. of it. Um, yeah, I was. That was that was a big key, yeah. definitely. His best performance of his career, right? Twenty one, eight, six steals, no turnovers. I don't think there's even a question. I mean, well, you know, he dropped what he had thirty six against Clemson. Yeah, thirty six. That was more offensive oriented. Sure. When he got, I mean, he was super hot. Um. I mean, I thought he was a different – like, he was the difference maker against Providence here last year. Georgetown on the road last year. Yeah. Yeah, there have been some big games, but it feels like this is the most complete this performance is, yeah. he's put together yeah. in his career. By the way, um, I don't know if we talked about this. It kind of goes back to the conversation about Creighton's pace, but I thought it was interesting that Marquette decided to take its bigs off the floor, essentially. like We've seen a lot from teams, haven't we? Yeah. The more the game wears on, the more likely they are to take the bigs off the floor. Theo, and try John, to match played, up Theo John played eight minutes. Um, Chase Johnson played four minutes. By the way, Theo John's home road splits did not improve tonight. I mean, he's yikes. At least he didn't get he's, in foul trouble. He is yikes.com away from Milwaukee. Like, they got to get that figured out. Otherwise, yeah. they're in kind of a, a situation. Yeah, I, I, I knew it wasn't a they, good sign when, like, Theo pulled down an offensive board and immediately Sharif, like, Ripped it away from him. Yeah, I was like, oh, I was like, oh. and then Sharif picked the pocket. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, credit Sharif again. No, that, that was another yeah. another example of Creighton just like not laying down and saying like, okay, you can have this. Like he was like, okay, you beat me for the board, but I'm going to take it from you. I actually think Creighton's like dirty cheaters in that way because they know they're going to get out rebounded from a size perspective, so they just wait for you to. They don't even like try to get the rebound. They just wait for you to bring it down, and they just take it from you. They're like they're like little sneaky. They do the, the They're sneaky they, little little feet. They got they got a like lot that. of quick hands. Yeah. Uh, they they actually, um, they, you know, they're not going to lead the country in, or even the league in forced turnovers, but they might be in the top half in steals, right. like because they are so quick with their hands and 
quick with their feet um, and able to just kind of take advantage when that ball is out there and loose and, and able to be grabbed. Yep. Um, should we get to questions? Anything else we left out there? Uh, Mitch Ballack was pretty awesome. Oh, right? yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny. He, led the, he, he had game high 24 points, went 5 of 9 from 3. Three assists, zero turnovers in 35 minutes. We didn't hardly talk about it. I thought his, like, I thought he stood out to me in transition more than anyone. I, I, I yeah. thought Tyshawn was good in transition. Marcus obviously pushing Temple. He does what he does, and the bigs are on the floor. But Mitch was, he's just, he's, he never shut it down. Mm-hmm. Or, like, he was always sprinting to a spot. And I thought that really forced Marquette into some issues. Two super like there were so many moments when I looked up and and I could see Mitch like waving his hand. He was already in his spot. <laughs> yeah, he's already. And there. I'm like, and I'm like, how did you get down there so fast, dude? It was so funny. Like there was one. I have two plays like, I want to talk about before, but there's one where he got down there so fast that DJ caught the ball like around that free throw line area, and he was like kind of open. Um, it was in transition, and Mac is like freaking out pointing at Mitch like wide open in the corner because DJ doesn't see it yet because they haven't really spaced the floor at any point like he doesn't really in his internal clock I can't imagine he's thinking everybody's down here waiting for me to move the ball like yeah. and then it, was it's, that in the second half it was in the second okay, half yeah. and it was there was still enough time for DJ to realize that Mac is screaming at him to get the ball to Mitch and Marquette still didn't recover to him and he got a wide open three that he yeah. you know it was it was pretty funny yeah but like it goes to your point like it was almost like he came off the bench because he was there so fast yeah like, and Max just like, get on the ball. Right. <laughs> He's right there. Um, but the two plays, I think, just show that his level of basketball IQ, one, um, you know, I, the, the play you mentioned earlier where, where Marquette showed zone and, and missed through the, you know, the, that was obviously a set play, but still, the, where he put it, um, the timing and everything like that. Yeah. Was I, one. I, I, there was he, the, and the second it. one was. By the way, though, he, he's really deceptive with that because he, yeah, he's he, shooting it. He looks like he shoots yeah, it. Yeah, and, like, and he is owed a three. They've, uh, I can't remember what row game it was. I think it was at against Texas Tech, maybe. Oh, I know what you're talking about. He they, threw a they, lob and they, made he it. He threw a lob. No, he threw a lob and it missed. I don't, I think it, um, I think someone came down with it, but they, they, they credit him with a mystery. Is oh, what really? I'm saying. Oh, and it okay. was a lot. I got you. And so um, he's old to three, but he's pretty deceptive with it. Yeah. So, like, the defense, like, I think it, it takes him a second. Yeah. And the second one was uh, offensive rebound right under the rim. It just came down perfectly into his hands. But instead of just, like, thinking he's going to get a bucket right there, it, as, as it's coming down, he just immediately taps it out to Marcus Segarowski, who was wide open in the corner. Yeah. I'm not even really sure how he saw him. Um, but it was a big three from Mark. I think they pushed the lead back to 11 after Marquette had cut it. To they called digits. timeout right after that. Yeah, they Marquette did. Um, it you know it was what? just like a big, like the only play, a play that you can make before, if you can see the, play the floor. Before, the possession before, he, he found DJ. Mitch did mm-hmm. in, in transition. I remember it was a really pretty pass um, where I think he might have manipulated the defense a little bit with his eyes. I, yeah. I couldn't really see because he was his back's toward me um, the way he was moving down the court. But... DJ was wide open, and Mitch did a good job of finding him. So, like, yeah. Honestly, I like to say that he's like kind of like an Ethan Roggie-Grant Gibbs hybrid because he can shoot it like Ethan could, um, but he can also facilitate and read, see the floor and just his understanding of the game and his, his, his IQ on both offense and defense is, is at Gibbs' level. So I mm-hmm. think he's kind of like the 
he's got the best of both of those guys, I think, inside of him. So that, you, you saw it on display tonight with the way he shot the ball and with the way he found guys for – I mean, he only ended up with three assists, but they were all memorable ones. Yep. Um, let's jump into questions here and see what we got from everybody. <coughs> What's up, bro? Yeah. Yeah, there's there's probably some. I've had it. Leftover pizza is a hot. Yeah, leftover Godfather is a is a, a delicacy around this time of night. Um, <laughs> Alex Sindelar wants to know why is my dog afraid of fireworks and. I feel like this is a good. This is probably the most perfect question you've been asked because as someone who has a legendarily just Freddy cat dog, off, yeah, just an awful wimp of a dog in terms of noise outside. Dude, why is your I mean I was going to talk about this because my dog is terrified. Last night, for, uh, for the, uh, for well, Fourth of July, New Year, New Year, yeah, New Year, New Year like, but last night was awful. I mean, she she's just. A wreck. I can't even describe it, but um, I, I guess the best. It's just panting in your face for six straight hours. The fireworks started at six. Oh, I'm sorry. It's seven straight hours. They ended. The fireworks started at six. Ended at one a at one a.m. Um, she barks, scratches, scratches like to try. She tries to dig. A, she tries to dig a hole in the in the wall. <laughs> um, I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, it's it's, it's uh, wild. It's special. We have to give her. We we, we didn't give her drugs this time, but we've basically you sedate, she gets you sedate her. She gets stoned. Gets... <laughs> yeah. So Alex, I need some I need some tips or anybody listening if they got tips for how to deal with their dogs. I've become very anti fireworks in yeah. my in my life now. See, I'm my my little guy. He likes fireworks, so it's weird. He like, likes them. He likes them. He wants to go outside. He wants to go by the window all the time. He's like, what's like, that? See what that is. Yeah, every time they go, every time they start yeah. popping off, he always wants to go outside and see what's up. So I don't have that problem. Basically, how I feel with my neighbors light off fireworks is like, all right, you do that. My dog's going out at seven in the morning, <laughs> and she, I'm gonna let her bark like crazy. We're gonna do a, a trade off here. That's how it's gonna be. To get to the point. Yeah, yeah, I was like. Funny. If we're gonna go till one a.m. with the fireworks, then my dog's coming right out. It's a fair trade-off, especially when you know that you know eighty percent of them. Um, it's rough. Danny, it's rough yeah, Danny Sullivan wants to know: Was Howard pulling a Rick Barry and refusing to shoot to prove a point for the first sixteen minutes of the game? Jay's um, defense looked good, but something seemed off. Honestly, I actually, I just thought they didn't put the ball in his hands. They they were like they were trying to get him going. You know, off screens and off the ball, and Tyshawn did a really good job of face guarding him. My assumption is, is that when Marcus Howard's off the ball, they get better offense collectively. Okay. When he's on the ball, it turns into an ISO game. Sure, makes sense. And that can work for a stretch, which it did. But it, what happened? It turned, Marcus got hot, but the problem is everyone else cooled off. Right, because like he, he caught, had, caught watching. Yeah, he got four straight possessions where he made shots, and he missed the next two um, in, in that stretch in the first half when he got hot. And honestly, two of the four he made were pretty difficult. Like, it's hard. it, it would be hard yeah. to do that for an entire game. You know? So, essentially, from the last uh, – so, let's see. From the four-minute mark on mm-hmm. – uh, there was one player besides Marcus Howard shot the ball at the end, 10 in the first half. It was Sakarian and one. 
Um, I think I think the final. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine possessions of the first half ended with Marcus Howard doing something, whether it was a turnover, a made shot, or a missed shot, um, and the outlier was Sakari in him. So like that takes. While you get your star, he gets going. Everyone else kind of cools off. So my assumption is that they just wanted to get a pound. That's that's what I I would imagine. I wouldn't I wouldn't ask Wojcic this after the game, but I'd imagine that's what they're thinking is like yeah. play him off the ball because he'll be such a threat that defenses will have to be aware of him. But we can kind of incorporate everybody. Yeah, I agree. Um, but then they put in his hands, and you know it worked. Yeah, because I mean, Tyshawn took him out of the other part of it, so yeah. they had to. Make an adjustment, um, and then Creighton adjusted that to that as well. Yeah, Austin Spilling wants to know what was the halftime show um, on a scale of Red Panda to Quick Change. How was it? Um, I was using the restroom, so I don't really know. It was a balancing act of some kind, so yeah. I didn't really get a grasp of if it, how, the level or not. Is I, it I, I just remember I saw at one point. I mean, Red Panda's a zero. Girl, the girl was zero. on like on top of the guy's shoulders, and then. It, it looked like she was about to fall, and right before her head hit the floor, he just like snatched her up. Oh yikes! So that was I th- that might have been so death defying, you know, death defying. Right, that was that was one of those moments when I have a hard time watching because I don't want to see <laughs> you don't want to see disaster, in front of you. blood splatter on the shirt. Or uh, yeah, no, I was I was writing because it's a late game, so I was trying to yeah. like catch up, so I didn't get to see as much. But I mean, my scale of red panda to quick change is maybe different than other people's because you don't like red panda, right? I mean, I'm out on post prime Red Panda is what I am. Maybe Red she, Panda today, you're not. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I just haven't. You know, I I feel like I, I got Wizards MJ on that one, and all the sports writers that loved her got like prime MJ. And I just yeah. never experienced it because it's always like, I'm always like, what is this about? Um, it seemed like a fun show though. Yeah. Um, book the Wood Fox wants to know. Can Denzel dunk? He can dunk. Yes, but, you know, it's just, he's a below-the-rim player, so it's just easier to lay it in. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Mitch. Mitch can dunk, too. Yeah. I thought. Oh, I know, right? On that back cut. Yeah. I thought it was coming. I thought he was, too. I thought that was getting punched, for sure. Yeah. Um, Brian wants to know, and Brian... I was surprised Denzel didn't rise up for that dunk. I think so. Yeah, I just think he got, like, he had to, like slow down so much to corral the ball because it kind of got away from him on the deflection. He knew the defender was coming. Yeah, and it probably was just yeah. smarter to... He's, come, he's going in with his left hand. Maybe if he was coming in with his right, he yeah. would have uh, thrown it down. But he can dunk. Yeah. Um, Brian wants to know, and Brian's question, I, in fairness to Brian, he was not watching the game live um, when he asked this question. <laughs> and he told me he wanted me to disregard it. But I told him no because it was a ridiculous question. So he's going to feel the shame of us answering this because he had the audacity to ask it. Um, he wants to know, are you surprised Reef isn't covering Howard? Oh. And the basic answer is no. Are you crazy? Did you see the t- shop, dog, job Tyshawn did on him? Or you, like, I actually thought that Reef would guard Marcus Howard a little bit. Yeah. So because- in seriousness, Max said in his pregame show that he was worried about Sharif guarding Marcus Howard. Because of Foul. how crafty Marcus Foul. is and fouls and yeah. stuff like that. So he was – the main assignment was going to be Tyshawn right off the bat um, with, like, sprinkles of Marcus Zagorowski in there. And as little as Sharif as possible because of just, you know, 
I think maybe some Xavier Simpson, if you go back to that matchup, he, he put Sharif on that one and yeah. just let him try to handle that challenge. And you could see that, it, you know, that's just too much of experience. Dude, level Marcus here. Howard just going back to what Tyshawn did and the rest of Like, did he hit a step back? Off his left hand, he loves that left hand. Like um, on his left hand, step back three. Yeah, he, might he, hit, he one. hit one in front of me. Okay, so it was to his left. I think. Uh, I think it was his first three. Um, he yeah, it was after he it was after he finally scored. Okay, then he hit that step back so, left. Okay, so on, he got on one of those. Left. That's that's high on the scouting report. Uh, also high. They can't they can't allow him to split a double team, mm-hmm. uh, especially on those. Which he did a few times, but didn't wasn't able to find anybody out of it. Right. So yeah. Um, I think he did. Didn't I think he might have got a layup off one of them? Maybe okay. he just went around it. Oh, he had a really nice like euro step layoff off of a split double tra- team. I thought he traveled. Oh, he definitely traveled. Okay, but uh, <laughs> that's all right. But Craig he got euro, away with a couple euro travels, step traveled like yeah. It, I think get to the rim. I think Craig got away with a couple of travels yeah, as well. It happens. Um, and then the other thing was that fouling. They, he only got four free throws, and yeah, he didn't shoot his huge. first free throw until this middle early in the second half. And when you look this at, is, he's and when number you, one in the country in fouls drawn. Yeah, and when you look at Tyshawn's defense, his metrics show that he's not going to force a ton of turnovers. Like I think his turnover rate's only eleven percent. So it's you know it's and for an example, Sharif is around twenty three percent on on his defensive possession. So he's not like taking a bunch of chances, but his. His his like shooting foul rate, which means how many times his man gets to the line, is only four percent. Mm. I mean that's extremely low. I think it's like twice as low as Kyrie's was. So like, uh, yeah. If you want a guy, if you're saying like we want we want some length on Marcus Howard, yeah, we want some athleticism, we want to not put him at the and free think throw line. Tyshawn had all of that. And think about it: three of those free throws were uh, off the worst call that you've seen all year. On uh, on Oklahoma's Reeves, when yeah, he that exactly. Foul. Where he did, like just leaned over and got like <laughs> foul. Oh, yeah, exactly. So that four percent should be even lower. It should be absolutely. No, yeah, Tyson did a great job, and they. I thought they. I thought this is one of the things that I've thought about um, since uh, Oklahoma game, Arizona State, and then now uh, today against Marquette. I think Creighton defensively has done a really good job, and this is the goal for every team, every game. You want to take away the opponent's strength, yes. like what they do well, and force them into plan A or force them into plan B, plan C. Mm-hmm. And Creighton's done an excellent job of doing that those in those three games. Yep. They've forced, they've taken the team out of its strength and said, and made uh, like them do things that they're a little bit uncomfortable with right. defensively. I think their game plans have been well crafted and well executed, mm-hmm. and they've taken some risks, which now. is twofold in that regard because you can only you can like. You can say we're going to try to do this, but yeah. and and again they've taken some the risks because they've well, given yeah. they've given some people some open looks and and gambled on the fact that you know uh, bad shooters or average shooters want to burn them, mm-hmm. but uh, they've also they've, it's it's worked out well. This just goes to like what we've been saying all year is like when when Creighton has an experienced group, they're able to put together these types of seasons because. So much of what they do is, you know, off of execution, off of just like knowing where to be, as opposed to just being physically imposing or more talented. Yeah. And this group is the same group that, you know, struggled off of like just reacting off of airtime, you know, like when a ball's in the air, they just kind of like standing there watching it for a second. They don't realize how valuable those seconds are when you're not reacting and you're waiting for the other person to catch it and reset right. your defense. Like, this 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 group of guys just gets it to a different level. There were so many the moments during that game where, 
and I, 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 I mean, the crowd was so engaged that they would react to Creighton's just ability to collectively play together defensively. I'm gonna. There was one time I where Tyshawn was just chasing. Where Tyshawn chased Marcus Howard, I think around. He did a couple laps around the perimeter. And ended up with him, like, late shot clock, maybe, like, eight, nine seconds left. And the ball was still in Anum's hands, and Marcus Howard hadn't separated from him at That all. was the possession. The play I where he cut off the, the, yeah, I, the pretty, baseline ball screen, right? Yeah. Or the pretty, I think that was the possession I was thinking of. Uh, there was one, like, late in the first half where it, it was just, like... That got a lot of ovation, and it wasn't even... Nothing even, even happened. Yeah. Nothing even no, happened. it was Other incredible, just chasing But it was incredible. And then yeah. uh, Creighton had a number of possessions where it was just... Um, everybody just seemed locked in and forced Marquette to take a jump shot or something that it didn't want to. So, um, Sam Norland wants to know how many beats did your heart skip when Marcus bonked his head on the floor? I think it was about twenty-seven for me. Um, I mean, I mean it, it was it, he hit it that was, he hit it hard. Yeah. Like it's, it's it always like a little it, unnerving when you hear a head and sort of like smack the floor in that fashion the way it did. Yeah, I think I actually audibly reacted like. Oh, yeah. Because it was, you never want to see that. But I also, like, <laughs> you know, you don't want to joke about, like, the brain and stuff like that, but Marcus is just different. It's gonna, I mean, you're going to have to put him out cold and get the stretcher to take him out of that game. So once he got up on his own, I was like, he's good. So we'll see if he is. We'll find out. And but we, I mean, I think we but, talk- he, but he came back at the free throws, kept playing. You know what I mean? Like, we, I, and we I, talked about this before, and no I, I kind of wrote that. about this before. Uh, we podcasted, but like after that, he hit Marcus Segarowski, came back. He walked himself off the floor, by the way, and then came back in. Well, never left, really. It was timeout. And then he came back in, hit the free throw, and then he comes down and he settles into his like defensive stance and then takes his right fist and just puts it on his cheek. You said it was his chin or his like, cheek? Like fighter, I couldn't tell if it was cheek, or, yeah. uh, cheek so or chin, whatever. He's a big fight fan, so like you'll see fighters when they come in in the cage or whatever, they just like. They just like pop their chin real quick because it kind of like just shocks your nerves into like, you know, into feeling what that yeah. what that feels like. So you're like ready for it. You know what I mean? And like yeah, so, like, so if you think about like floor slaps, get guys locked in defensively. Like he got down in his stance like and punched himself in. in the chin a couple yeah. times to like just knock the cobwebs out and get his nerves ready. Like that's he's just a different dude. Yeah, that that image will stick with me for a long time mm-hmm. uh, because it's it it. Um, it's all encompassing. I feel like it, it, Marcus spearheads it, and I thought Tom Chattel did a nice job of writing about Marcus and sort of the way he is um, wired, comparing it to uh, Ryan Sears, who a lot of Jays fans obviously know the way he's wired. Marcus is – he kind of like exemplifies this, but the whole team has adopted that same <coughs> right. personality. Oh, and so, there there have been a lot of moments this year where the J, where that's actually where that's obviously benefited the Jays, and tonight was one of them. Because I honestly, I think last year that game is tight down yeah. the stretch. Yeah, like Creighton wouldn't have pulled away last year, and it well didn't pull away. We saw what happened. Um, the Oklahoma game might have been a one possession game down the stretch, but. Creighton didn't allow that to happen. I, I just I think that um, they they do a good job. Or they've done a good job of, of flipping the switch, and I think that goes back to their just sort of commitment to doing what they do, and regardless of what the 
opponent, um, you know, how many punches the opponent's throwing. Um, our last one is from uh, Nick Loss. Uh, he wants to know, any chance we start to see Jalen or even Jet get seven or eight minutes a game to try and keep our core guys fresh through the end of the season? going to be a grind till March. Um, not unless there's a sizable lead, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, the, the way they're going to maintain those core guys is just through, you know, the new strength and conditioning program with Jeremy Anderson and the new maintenance routines they're going through, like less extra time after practice, uh, more rest, more, you know, like massage table, more of that, um, less practice time, things like that. Like they're going to be very conscious of taking care of their bodies after after games and things like that. I mean, so. Dermot said, like, the way he equated it is, like, you, you have so much mileage on a, on your body on the season. Yeah. So, whatever number that is, like, we're going to get to that number, but it might mean that guys put a little bit more miles on during games and we're going to make up for it at practice by lessening the workload right. for them. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I thought that with Dave, if Davion Mintz came back and um, um, took a little bit of the workload off some of their, their those top three guards' shoulders. Sure. I, I mean, he's not playing. He's going to redshirt, so I think that those guys are going to keep yeah. playing the amount of minutes. And they will. They will. Very likely they leave the league in, the, in minutes played those three. Yeah, uh, Charlie Moore spoiled the party. Oh, he did? He's up there now. And, How about and, it, Charlie? Okay. Yeah, I think I think it was Charlie. Previously, the Jays had the three the top three-minute getters in the, in the conference, but I think Charlie Moore is up there now. So gotcha. three of the top four. And they play hard too, so yeah, that's what's do. that's what's impressive yeah, about it. But yeah. it, you know, I, it was a question that I had. Marcus Foster and and Kyrie Thomas's Marcus Foster senior, Kyrie's junior year. Like, how, how can they sustain it? And maybe they maybe they wore down. I don't know. But that Villanova game, which was at the end of a really long stretch, the Jays won in overtime. I mean, Marcus and Taz played all but like they played the whole game and they yeah. played so hard and so. There's always something left in the tank, and I think that the older you get, um, and the more used to used to sort of the demands of playing, sort of two games a week and the physical physical Big East, like I think you're ready, you're more prepared for it, and so these guys are more prepared to yeah. handle it. I mean, getting Denzel into the mix at this point in the That's season huge. helps yeah. a lot because yeah, you can. It's just a fresh body being thrown into the most important part of the season yeah. instead of you know. Um, I mean, they go they go eight deep. It's kind of hard. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's a that's, that's fine. pretty good. I think that the given the pace, yeah, that's the I best would say thing. nine right. would be ideal. I mean, yeah. ten. I can only imagine like the relentlessness that you could bring doing that. But then again, then you're talking about like, well, you take Tyson Alexander and Mitch Ballack and Demarcus Ziegler out the other floor more, and do you even it out because they're got more energy? I don't know. It's hard to take them off the floor. I mean, I thought the rotations were pretty good tonight. I thought Mac did a really good job of getting Tyshawn breaks right before media timeouts and, you know, giving yeah. him extended rest, even though it only shows like a minute and something, a minute change on the game clock. It's a lot longer yeah. with the big break. There was between, one so. moment when I thought I saw Marcus Zagorowski looking tired. It was like the before the maybe the second or third media timeout in the first half, and he uh, ball goes out of bounds, media timeout, and he just walked straight to the bench, sat down. But he didn't come out of the game. He stayed in the game. I think yeah. he just needed a breather because he was. He was. I think it might have been the stretch where Tyshawn got subbed out because okay. yeah. he had to chase Marcus Howard around. And I was like, not only is he pushing pace, now he's chasing Marcus Howard around. Like, yeah, 
that's going to wear you down. Yeah, that was grueling. Um, that's it for questions. Thanks a lot for chiming in. Uh, we always appreciate that feedback. And uh, okay, we got to talk about two things in this game that, or I don't know if hilarious or just notable. Uh, Ed Morrow, like, has zero friends in Nebraska now. Not only did he transfer from Nebraska, but he also. I actually thought that he. It was the same thing that we were talking about with Denzel a, uh, a couple weeks ago, where he, like, his strength got him into trouble. Enough, definitely. And with Ed, I don't... His, I, like, his his flagrant or his technical wasn't egregious, but it also was extra. Yeah, it was point, extra. To the point of, like, they're going to tee you up for that. And then the, the foul on Marcus was hard, but and right. he kind of undercut him a little bit. But all he was, he was just going straight up body contact, so, like... But, it, but, the, but yeah, but he's, like... I mean, Ed Marl's a massive huge. human. Yes. So I, th- I thought he kind of, like... It, he was just trying to play hard. But. Yeah. He got it from the crowd more than he deserved, but, but that makes in my opinion, I know a lot of people are going to disagree with yeah, that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, He got it from the crowd maybe harder than he deserved, but he also didn't do himself favors at the same time. It wasn't. He wasn't. Because he was going hard. Yeah. And because of how he It wasn't said, completely innocent. Yeah. yeah. He yeah. did some things. It's like, like you know, that that, uh, that grown man strength playing hard at the same yeah, time yeah. against littler people. Yeah. It just happens. <laughs> I thought, um, I mean... How how fitting was that moment where he had to shoot free throws? On, getting booed mercilessly. Yeah, yeah. On one end of the floor yeah. by himself. Yeah. I was surprised well, he I, made I, the second. I, mean, I was like, I was for sure thought he was going over two. The crowd. I mean, that that's a moment that as a fan, you gotta you gotta love. So that was that was a funny moment in the mm-hmm. game. And the other one was the ref forgetting whose ball Dude, was out, out of timeout. How do you do that? Okay. First off. They, it's not like they forgot. They let Marquette just have it. Well, and Crane, and Crane did too. They well, but Marcus like, Zagorowski was like freaking out. He's like, oh, why are he? they? Because I, I, what I noticed He like, like stopped guarding. He was like, I'm not defending this possession. That's our ball. Like he was freaking out at half court. And then Mac is like running down to half yeah, court. Yeah, I know. And then Mitch is like, oh, yeah, what are you doing? Like, I, was, I wasn't sure if they can, like, can they stop play for that? I don't really know what the rules are. Yeah, I'm not sure what that would be. Because, like, they clearly never, screwed that up. I've never seen them. Because they called the travel. Yes. Um, before the the, the media time out happened. Out, yeah. And then they just gave Marquette the ball. Yeah. And let them play. I wanted, they I let them want inbound the, it, too. I kind of so want to know the ins and outs of that. If, like, a Marquette player just went up to the ref and just Yeah, just tried to, like, sneaky, like, stand by the ball or whatever. Right. Yeah. And then the ref was like, okay, All here right, we here, go. Man, it must be what it is. I don't know. I, like, that was... I've never seen that before in my yeah. life. And I'm like, how did you How do you screw that up to that degree? To the point where, like, t- time ticked off. Like, they were they right. ran, like, they had- a ball screen and, like... <laughs> There was like a switch, and Marcus Zagorowski's like at half court, going, "Why are they? Why are they dribbling the ball right yeah. now? Like, why are you letting this happen?" And then they kind of got together, and they're like, "Yeah." I mean, even Wojo like didn't even. He was like, "You called a travel in the last play, right?" Yeah. And they're like, "Yeah." And they're like, "Okay, well, what are you doing?" <laughs> it was funny watching him go like not argue, but like be like, "Didn't you guys call a travel?" Right. They're like, "Yeah, we did." Like, okay, then give him the ball. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's just an odd moment you don't funny. see. Like ever. ever, I've never, I've never seen. That. I've never like that's crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. Whoops. Um, should we get into Butler a little bit before we wrap up here? We're just shy of an hour. Whoops, sorry, man. We almost got that forty-five again. Next time. That's all right. Um, it, was a, it was a fun game. A lot, yeah. to, talk, a lot to talk about. Uh, but Butler's the team that you think is one of the toughest matchups for Creighton. I actually didn't watch the second. I half thought today was going to be a tough matchup. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Marquette to win. <laughs> Did so Got a call uh, out of practice too. That's one something. That's a little inside basketball for everybody. Is. <laughs> yeah. The Jays were having a rough practice uh, in terms of their defensive assignments and focus at one point, and Mac decided to 
highlight the fact for the players that Niatawa picked the the Warriors or for some of you and Golden Eagles for the modern fans that Marquette was going to win so I think that fired everybody up certainly fired up Marcus Agarowski we know that <laughs> um, so uh, they seem to have a good practice after that. yeah they seem to be locked in right after they, are, they found out that John was picking against them um, so we have to do that more often right I might, I yeah. might on Saturday. Yeah, exactly. Because again, just keep it's it going. I mean, hey, it's like the it's like Mac with no tie. Nate Tyler's got to keep the the streak going of yeah. picking against the Jays. Um, but I mean, yeah, but, I, but Butler. But I, think I, I didn't watch the second half of the St. John's game. But obviously, that's oh, yeah, seemed to go sideways on them. I haven't watched it either. The first half, they did what they do. I mean, they just they were just far more disciplined, far more efficient. They had a big big twenty one point lead at halftime, I think, and then things got sideways on them. I don't know how, but. I'll have to watch the second half to find out, but you you don't like this matchup for the Jays. So what do you think about it going? Yeah, I think I, I just think Butler's more committed to playing defense the way. I mean, I think they're definitely top ten in defensive efficiency, just mm-hmm. raw points per possession. They might be top five in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so the question then, if I can interrupt you for a second, go ahead. Did what Creighton did tonight to Marquette? change your perception of what they might be able to do in that matchup with Butler? A little bit. Okay, it gives me. Um, sort of less concerned it, it is going to be there will be stretches where it's going to be tough to score but I think that Creighton has I mean the guards the guards have matured mm-hmm. so last year the Jays went to Butler and turned the ball over like 11 times in the first half and if the game was over they gave up you know run out dunks and layups because they turned had live ball turnovers I like I'd be shocked if that happens at, at Butler I do think that Butler's Aggressiveness and tenacity can bother teams, and mm-hmm. it might have an effect on Creighton. But I, I do think that the Jays are um, more prepared for that. They're, they are better suited to handle it. They're smarter, stronger, more experienced, and tougher. Yeah. I think they're tougher. I mean, so, I think that I think it comes down to that. I think yeah. the fact that I think you know that toughness factor. It doesn't. Everybody associates that with defense, but I think. You need that on offense too, because when teams try to punk you, phys- like physically on the perimeter, if you're a perimeter-oriented team, you have to be tough enough to just punch back and be like, "You're not pushing me around. I'm getting where I want to go. Yeah, I'm putting them. I'm you know making this play here." Because um, I felt like a lot of what Creighton did tonight was, you know, was started with them just making good one-on-one off the dribble plays, and it and it and it broke down Marquette's defense mm-hmm. that way. Um, so you know, that's I, the question: I, I, Is are they going to be able to do that against Butler? I don't know if they'll be able to go just one on one attacking downhill. They might, right. though. They might. I uh, mean, the they, thing, the thing, the thing with this matchup is one: they won't have the home crowd feed into them at all, so the energy is going to be dictated, created by themselves. It's going, I don't to, be think, a, it's going to be a morning start. Have right? they shot it well on the road yet this year? Like they shot a well Texas, for Michigan, half first, against first Texas half Michigan, Tech. Yeah, first Texas half, Tech, yeah. first half. Uh, I don't know what they shot in the second half against ASU. It felt like better, but not it great. Wasn't great, yeah. Um, so kind of, yeah. Maybe is the best answer to that. Kind of. Um, so the question, so the question will be because I do think Creighton is tough enough offensively to take advantage of you know to to be fine on that end of the floor against Butler. Um, the the yeah, one they're not going to get one point three points per possession. Yeah, just, but <laughs> Jesus, if they do, then they're serious contenders at yeah. that point. Um, the but Butler likes to play two bigs a lot, and and even when they That's don't play two bigs, they have a lot of size. They're yeah. they're physical and strong at the guard court. Uh, they have 
length on it on the wings, and they're big and physical. That's I think that's what, one of the reasons why I, I highlighted it as a, a tough matchup for Creighton because yeah. not only do you have the um, aggressiveness and sort of the sort of in-your-face defense that those guards play, and Aaron Thompson and Kamar Baldwin are really good perimeter defenders, just by themselves, and then you add sort of the style of play it feeds into what they do well. Mm-hmm. But then on the other end, they have bigs, yeah. and, and they can try to take advantage of, of, of a mismatch at the four and force Creighton into rotation situations and and uh, and make it difficult on, on the Jays to kind of defend solidly. Yeah. I kind of feel like pace is the huge key to this game. Whoever controls it wins. Yeah. If Creighton can get the game open, floor, up and down, um, if they can force misses and get defensive rebounds and get out and run, uh, they'll have a shot to win it. If Butler's if, if, if Butler's scoring at an efficient rate um, and making Creighton play a quarter-court game, they're going to get kind of overwhelmed by the physicality that's at all three levels from the front court wings and the perimeter, Yeah, I think. That's, so that's, be, that's pretty accurate. I agree yeah. with that. All right, so uh, I don't think we'll podcast with that one, but we should be back for Villanova on January 7th, right? Is that it's, two, it's a Tuesday. Okay. What's today, Wednesday? Yes. So... Six days, yeah. So January Tuesday, 8th. so Tuesday for Villanova, we'll be back at you. Um, in the meantime, uh, whiteandbluereview.com for this, you know, our post game recaps from this one, um, Butler preview, this podcast. Also, uh, Tom Nemitz um, doesn't get enough, nearly enough credit for what he does, but some of you know him. So uh, he did an amazing job putting together a 15 and a half minute highlight reel of Creighton's kind of moments of the decade. Um, just recapping the recapping the 2010s for everybody. And um, if you haven't seen that yet, you should go check that out at whiteandbluereview.com um, and our YouTube page. Uh, I promise for Creighton fans, it's something you'll watch multiple times and definitely enjoy. So check that out if you already haven't. Uh, John, what do you got in the hopper for people? That's a good question. Like, I think, I think I'm gonna have to write something about Tyshawn's defense, whether that happens this weekend or in the next couple weeks. It's coming. Yeah, because that was really impressive. Um, that, I mean, there's a story there, just generally about Tyshawn Alexander's. Man, he's playing. He's like a team-oriented guy but still like I mean we talked this offseason about him just playing as a uh, as a leader and like being sort of the the go-to guy mm-hmm. but some of the things that we talked about with him or, or that I talked about with him was just like you can be the go-to guy in, in other ways than just scoring yeah like the way you rebound is is a tone setter like the way you defend is a tone setter um the way you communicate is a tone setter and so i feel like he has really just embraced that aspect of like i don't have to score to be a leader and as a result he's like scoring more efficiently efficiently yeah than ever and and also doing every other part of the game well or you know performing in other ways so i mean his rebound has been incredible like the last few he didn't he only had one against midland Right, which is fine because that doesn't go. <laughs> that doesn't. It counts for the stats, but it, it doesn't you know it doesn't stats. really. Yeah, but I mean, you start with Texas Tech, like twelve against Texas Tech, eight against Oral Roberts, six Nebraska, eight UTGR, UTRGV, eleven Oklahoma, 
uh, four Arizona State, eight again tonight. I mean, and that's mainly – I mean, he only has seven offensive rebounds all season, so 78 defensive boards. I think he's leading the Jays in that category by a good margin. So, And I think only um, – Check these stats here. Sorry, this is gonna sound sloppy, but he's definitely he he was previously. I wrote about it a couple weeks ago at the top rebounding guard in the Big East. Yeah, and he was third overall behind Paul Reed, and uh, so right now he's fifth. He's a uh, fifth in defensive rebounds per game in the Big East right now, behind Paul Reed, a big, I think six ten, right. Six nine, six ten. Oh, he's got long wings, man. Yeah. I don't know. What uh, Jeremiah Robinson, Earl from Villanova, Tyree Jones from Xavier, and Omar Yurt seven from Georgetown. So, so that's four that's, bigs. That's one four and three fives. Yeah, and then Tyshawn Alexander. Right, and he, so, that number's going. That was as of today, before the game. Yeah, before the eight rebound. So his numbers. So we had up. eight defensive boards tonight. So yeah, it's going to go up. Um, so yeah, he's been he's been huge. At you know all the things you mentioned there in terms of like rounding out his game and not just being a you know, not just not just being able to evaluate his night based on how he shot the ball. It's about yeah. the other parts of the game. So yeah, tonight was. So yeah, I don't know. We'll 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 see what else yeah. I got in the store to write about. You know what's interesting too about this uh, this game doesn't actually feel even though it's surprising to me the end result sort of like the margin of victory, uh, but the the way that Creighton built its lead and extended it and closed the game out. That wasn't surprising. Um, a lot of the things that Creighton did well tonight, it's been doing well all year. Yeah. And so that's this game, like, they, people, just, ra- people they just raised it to a new level for a big game. Yeah, yeah. And people who watched them for the first time tonight, you know, maybe national people watching a Big East opener on New Year's, um, might wonder, you know, hey, is this a fluke? And in my mind, I don't see it as that. Now, right. they may not do it. Like, literally, it felt like everybody played well today. Yeah. And now, that may not happen. Yeah. Uh, it may not happen again. The level of balance and efficiency <laughs> is probably too much right. to expect going But uh, But the formula, the blueprint has been, we've seen it a lot of times before, and uh, before this game at, at the start of the year. So if, if you're kind of looking, projecting ahead, like, I think there's a lot of reasons to be encouraged about like Butler's going to be tough on Saturday. Villanova's coming in, uh, and that's going to be difficult. Like every game in the Big East is going to be tough. But if, if Creighton can continue to bottle up what it's been doing, which it has, like it's it's not even. Sometimes you ask, well, can Creighton replicate this performance? But it it has been. This is this is the result of what it's already been working on. Um, so to me, I think it, it's almost a given that they keep playing this way. Uh, barring an injury or something that just totally knocks them out of funk, maybe maybe a team comes up with some sort of plan. I was talking to somebody about this after the game. Like, I wonder if teams are going to try. Like, I, if I were scouting against Creighton, like, how do you? And I kind of talked about this with Nick Bond, his podcast. Like, how do you force? You got to put the ball in the fours and the fives' hands more often, right? Mm-hmm. Like, to me, you got to get it out of Marcus's hands. Some way, somehow, get it out of his hands yeah. and force the fours and fives to make more. That's why plays. the point guard's always been the key to unlocking how how like elite this offense yeah. can be. When you have a superstar that is your primary ball handler, this offense has not been stopped. I mean, it's just that's the history right. of it. Like that's the bottom line. So that like, I'm I'm waiting for somebody to because there's obviously a lot of good coaches in this league. I'm waiting to see what who comes up with what. There's got to yeah. be some. I mean, 
there's got to be some sort of. If only Chris Holtman were still in the league, he'd be the guy to watch for, <laughs> right? right? <laughs> Jay Wright can come yeah. up with a good plan. Yep. Uh, and Butler, you know, that's why these next two games are going to be kind of intriguing to see. Uh, Xavier, uh, uh, yep. you know, and, yep. and that's that's the third game upcoming for the Jays. So, um, yeah, I think. Uh, I think that I think today was actually a, a pretty strong statement. It was some, or it was, it was less about a statement; it was more about an affirmation. Well, when you what, look at when you look, at, when you look at the performances so far in the Big East, Creighton put together the only complete performance. Both halves, both ends of the floor. Does Providence not count? Providence, well, Providence scored twenty-two points in the second half, so they reverted back to the oh. team that they were in the in the preseason in the okay. non-conference. Yeah. They, they were terrible in the second half offensively. They were just up by thirty-five. They were just up by thirty yeah. at the halftime. Yeah. yeah. So I mean. The the most impressive twenty minutes was Providence, um, first half against Georgetown. The most impressive forty, I think, has been Creighton. Yeah, I mean Villanova didn't. Well, you know Villanova Xavier was. Villanova had that uh, great like six eight minute stretch in the first half, but other than that, it kind of settled into a you know a rock fight a little bit. Butler was good in the first half, not in the second. Uh, DePaul Seton Hall was kind of like a you know a seesaw battle in that. Um, you know, Seton Hall kind of. I, I mean, you could argue Butler was the better team for the first thirty minutes, and Seton Hall was the better team for the last ten. Yeah. Um, I think so far, when you look at who's put together the best forty, I think for the first game of Big East play with eight with seventeen to go, uh, Creighton's got a leg up. I think so far in terms of who put together the most impressive forty. Right. I guess the thing I was thinking about was just like, um, I think the Jays jumped from like. Forty-six to thirty-nine in Ken Palm. My assumption from is today. At, yeah, this game. Oh wow, that's a pretty large jump, by the way. Yeah, it is for Ken Palm statistics. I would assume. I would assume the that would the net reflective. they'll they'll have a, a nice little boost. Although I'm not one hundred percent sure how the net calibrates yeah. its stuff, but honestly, the res- the the but to the, me, the walk-ons need to stop giving up like 10-0 runs in the game, yeah. and ruining these like thirty-point blowouts. The efficiency, yeah. Um, <laughs> To me, it wasn't like like that. People are gonna think, "Oh, yeah." Now, now I believe, but I think that it, again, I think it was a culmination of a lot of. Yeah, they're trending. It's been trending in, in that way. direction. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And this was the culmination. So we'll, yeah, we'll yeah. I think they will keep it up. Honestly, they're not. They're not gonna be. They're gonna have bad nights. Everyone will, and they're gonna have bad shooting nights. But um, well, love, it won't be as prolonged as maybe past years because they're just too. They're just too experienced yeah. at this point to. They just know how to work themselves out of it at this point. They can even do it in games. That you know, we've seen it do them. We've seen them go through lulls and then just punch out of it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, they're well equipped to handle that. Um, so yeah, thanks for tuning in. Uh, Whiteandbluereview.com for this podcast and all that stuff. Omaha.com for John's work. Also, if you're um, <coughs> also if you're a Uno Hoops fan, um, he jumps over there and uh, does I'll some, be there on Saturday. Actually, does some feature they're stuff. Does some posters. Oral Roberts, who I think Oral oh. Roberts is a Summit League top contender at this point, right? It's either them or North Dakota State. I haven't decided, okay. but one of those. Yeah. Um, so you, if you're if you're looking for your UNO fix, John's got you covered there. Um, otherwise, get a newspaper, Omaha.com. Subscribe to his stuff because Husker football season's over. So John's the man right now, um, and he does good work. So. He's got a baby coming in 15, 14 uh, days now, right? Actually, two, two, two weeks from, yeah. from now. So it's, uh, you know, help buy the kid a toy or something. Yeah. You know, that'd be great. You don't have stuff yet, right? Anyway.
Yeah, sure. Okay. We'll take anything. <laughs> All right. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll talk to you after Villanova.